Welcome to the season finale of Tell Me About Your Damn Book. I'm your host, Stephen Lomer, and my guest this week is a talented mystery author. And believe me when I tell you, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Ladies and gentlemen, please make her feel welcome, Kalarni Trainer. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me, even though I was a half hour late. Hey, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> You're here. That's the important thing. Uh, I'm going to start by reading your bio. You are a writer, singer, actor, stunt woman, martial artist, and history buff. I told you. Tip of the iceberg. You decided that you wanted to write books as soon as you were old enough to start reading them. A resident of New Hampshire, you work at an insurance brokerage by day and write your novels by night. Your books, Summer Shadows and Necessary Evil, reflect your love of local culture, history, and long summer days. When you're not writing, you can be found daydreaming about faraway places, watching old movies, reading long books while drinking too much tea, working with local film company Narrow Street Films, exploring local attractions, or getting lost in Boston. Or Saugus. Or Saugus. Or Saugus. Yeah, pretty much Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, it's I, just a I, blur I, to me. <laughs> it's an inside joke. Don't worry about it. Uh, all right, so let's start from a nice, obvious place. Okay. Killarney. <laughs> How did you come to be Killarney? Okay, so um, my dad had a, a, a grandmother that came directly from Ireland. He was very close to her, so I was supposed to be Erin. Okay. But my parents lived in an apartment building and there were three girls born and they were all named Erin. Okay. So they couldn't do that. And um, and I was born around Christmas and there was a song called Christmas in Killarney. So they were like, oh, let's do that. So that's how I got my name, Christmas in Killarney. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Good. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up mostly in uh, New Hampshire. Okay. Um, I was born in Lawrence, Massachusetts. So. Technically, I'm a Massachusetts person. <laughs> you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it to look at me. <laughs> See me driving around going like, what? <laughs> and what circumstances brought you to New Hampshire? Um, my parents moved there when I was like two. I had no say in the matter. <laughs> no. so you were you were forced over the border. I was. I, say, I was. I see. You know, okay. I, I kind of resented, but you know, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you and your brother, and I assume also your sister, were homeschooled. Yes, we were. What was that experience like? I really liked it. I'm a bookworm. I'm kind of an introvert, so. Basically, um, my parents had classes for the first half of the day, mm -hmm. and the rest of the day we were allowed to do kind of whatever we wanted. So we spent most of our days either reading or running around outside building things or taking our cameras and pretending that we were movie stars. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah. <laughs> I see where this is leading. Right. My dad, um, my dad introduced us to John Wayne movies pretty early. Uh -huh. So we spent uh, a good deal of time, we had a screen to porch, knocking, <laughs> knocking holes into the screen oh. and shooting through it at the, you know, the bad guys. <laughs> my dad loved that. Sure. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Uh, he was just glad that we weren't actually knocking the glass out of the <laughs> So, yeah, so that's kind of, homeschooling to me is a, uh, was a really fun way to grow up. Okay. Yeah. And how, how far did the homeschooling go? Was it your entire education? Uh, no, I, I am actually a um, uh, kindergarten graduate, so I have that certificate. Ah, yeah, okay. So. <laughs> you, so you graduated from traditional I, kindergarten. I did, yes. And then it was homeschooling all yeah, the way through. Yeah, my parents were like, we had enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. I, I can um, understand that. Yeah, but so I was homeschooled through high school. Wow. Yeah, and then I went to work after that. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you do you think that that led to you being an introvert, or were you an introvert and that's why you were homeschooled? Judging from the way I was in kindergarten, I was a, I was an introvert then. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I spent most of my time like looking at other people, going, "Why are you on my face?" <laughs> <laughs> do you still do that? Yes. Okay. okay. Some things never change. They put me in a corner, like a, where I work in a corner office, and nobody talks to me, and it works out really well. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Good. Uh, you're an indie author. Yes. What's that experience been like for you so far? <clears throat> a lot of work and a lot of fun because mm -hmm. um, I have complete control over the material, over the cover, over how I promote, which I do very badly. <laughs> uh, but it's just a lot of fun. I get to kind of pick my persona, you know, and uh, pick what I want to put out there so I don't have to write to market, which is very good because not naturally writing to market. Sure, so. sure. Nobody even knows what the market is anymore. No, so. no one does, so. Yeah. Uh, a few of my friends think they know what it is. Yeah, but, but no one does. No one does. No, <laughs> no. Um, would you ever pursue traditional publishing? Oh, I'd love to. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Now that I know what I like to do, um, I feel more confident going that route now. Even though it would mean giving up that amount of control over your covers and the schedule and Yeah, all to a that. certain point. Um, I have some friends who have done a mixed contract so they can still <laughs> do their own work on the side yeah. and then do some. So I think that would be something I would like. That way I can still kind of do what I want to do and do something that, you know, um, would have a more broad reach. Okay. So, Let's talk a bit about your books. Okay. Uh, your debut novel was Summer Shadows, mm -hmm. which you published in November 2014. Yes. Uh, tell me a little bit about that book. All right. So that's a book about um, a woman who, she takes in her orphan nieces, and, uh, niece and nephews, excuse me, and uh, they don't have any money. So she finds out that her sister, the one, uh, the lady who passed away and left her the children, also left her a house in Franklin, New Hampshire. So they go up there for the summer to kind of clean it up so they can sell it. Mm -hmm. And they end up next door to a haunted house. And the kids get really fascinated by this haunted house and they want to see the ghost. Well, it turns out it's not just a ghost, it's actually something really dangerous in the house. And so that's, it's like, a, it's like a sort of my tribute to Disney summer movies, you know, like from the 60s with, um, I can't remember the actor's name, but like I used to watch him as a kid. That guy. You know? That, that guy, guy there. Dean Jones. The, okay. That Disney guy. Yeah. Nice. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> you had to dig deep on that one. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, like he was foundational. How can I forget his name? <laughs> <laughs> and how long did that book take from, from concept to uh, execution? Actually a long time because I wrote the first half over a course of a year and then I got busy with something else. And then one day I was just like, oh, I have to finish it. Like, I just kind of want to see where it ends up. So then I finished it. And then um, that took another six months. And then it sat on my shelf for about maybe a year and a half. Wow. And then I went to a writing class. It was about how to promote your, how to publish as an indie author. And the teacher there, um, you know, took a chapter from everybody just to kind of see where they were. Mm -hmm. And said, this actually has some promise. Do you want... Are you interested in getting some editing? So it took us maybe a year to edit it, put it all together. Wow. Because it turns out I don't know where to stop. <laughs> good to so, know. Yeah. That's good for me to know. Yeah. Um, so we had to cut quite a bit out of it. <laughs> and uh, if you saw the size of the book, you'd be like, wow. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, um, I was actually surprised by how much I enjoyed the editing part. Huh. Because um, I thought that was just going to be painful. but. At that point, the book was kind of old, so I wasn't as emotionally attached to it. So I was like, 
watching it was kind of like, oh yeah, it does read better when you cut this part out or when you re rephrase this sentence. So right. it was very interesting. I learned a lot huh. doing that. You may be the only author who's ever appeared on this show who said that they didn't mind the editing process. Oh. That's definitely a first. Okay, yeah. 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 I think I'm just a masochist. Then, right? Possibly, yeah. possibly. Um, and I, I saw that Summer Shadows has uh, a, a tremendous number of reviews and and four and five star reviews people seem to love that yeah. book yeah they, they uh there's one character that people seem to really get attached to and that's the the nephew the eldest nephew because hmm. he's the one that has the most struggle uh coming to terms with his parents death and uh -huh. and he has the biggest probably the biggest story arc in it um, Are you doing... And the editor didn't like it. <laughs> and I was See? like, yeah. See? I was just like, I was fine about him. <laughs> and are you doing anything else with that character because he's so beloved? Um, not yet. Uh, it was it was just meant to be a one-off book. I've actually had people say, well, when are you going to do another one? I'm like, well, they're kind of okay where they are now. Like, I left them <laughs> in a good spot. So I'll have to wait and see if they start talking to me again. Fair enough. So, okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, then there was Necessary Evil, which mm -hmm. was September 2015. Yeah. Uh, where did that one come from? Um, that one came from, uh, I wanted to do a treasure hunt set in the town I live in. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just see if I could do it. So um, it's a Civil War treasure hunt. Um, someone is, it's based on a horse farm. And someone's been digging holes looking for the treasure because they believe it's on there and causes an accident. Um, and someone gets killed because of the accident. And so the, the basis of the book is about them, the people who own the farm coming to terms with the accident, coming to terms with uh, a lot of stuff that happened because of the accident, and also realizing that there actually is a treasure on, on the farm and hmm. what that means for their family legacy. Huh. And where did the inspiration for that one come from? A music video. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of random, but I, okay. I was watching this uh, fan-made music video, and I saw this one clip from this old movie. I was like, "Ooh, I could use that clip!" And I built this whole story out of one clip. Wow! And then I later I found where the clip came from, and the movie that it came from had nothing to do with treasure hunts, or <laughs> it's actually from a movie called Legend of Hell House. It's like as far from <laughs> this book as you could get. And I was like, "Well, I didn't watch the movie." Huh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you saw the clip, and that's the important part. Yeah, that was the important part. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and then June of 2017 brought Michael Lawrence, The Season of Darkness, which has a movie tie-in, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. Tell me about that one. Okay, so um, when I was a teenager, I was obsessed with a show called Inspector Morse, which is like this BBC mystery series. Very long, very miserable, very... British. You know, very British. <laughs> well, they, they announced that they were going to make a sequel to it, which was based on the sergeant. So I wrote like sort of a, a script, kind of imagining what they would do with it. Mm -hmm. Turns out the BBC or whoever it was that made the show had nothing to do with my script. <laughs> but my brother read it and liked it and said, well, why don't we make it into our own movie? Hmm. So that's what we did. We turned it into... Um, so it's sort of loosely based on, on that series, um, but it's, it's completely Americanized now. Um, and, and then because I wrote a script, I was like, oh, I already have the story done. I'll just fill in the edges and make a book out of it. So it was wow. a lot of fun making, it was just a, a traditional, not just a, but it's a traditional uh, English mystery, you know, but set in Portsmouth. So Neat. Yeah, That's that, that cool. was really fun. Yeah, so. yeah, it sounds like. Uh, you're working on a new screenplay. Yes. As we speak. Yeah. Uh, how do you decide which of your ideas become books and which become screenplays? 
Um, well, this one became a screenplay because my, um, when I was younger, I wrote a series of short stories, and my brother called me up last September and said, do you want to turn one of those into a movie? Because, you know, I think it would be fun to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's where this one came from. It was because of this old series. So I went back and I looked at the short stories and none of them were good enough to be a, a screenplay, like for a movie. So I had to write an, a new story based on those characters. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if I'm going to turn this one into a book as well, uh, but it was just so much fun because it's a comedy, which I don't usually write. Ah. It's sort of a madcap, like comedy of manners. Um, and it's just like so much fun. Neat. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so. you're just all over the place. Yeah, you well, got I, everything going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I keep busy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Stay off the streets. Sure, know? sure. Yeah, that's important. Yep. Now, if for some reason you thought you would come on this show today and get out of here without talking about Star Trek, well, you, my friend, are sadly mistaken. Yes. So, how? Tell me how Star Trek came into your life originally. Okay, so my oldest brother was obsessed with Star Trek. So one of my earliest memories is sneaking into the living room while he was watching Next Generation and watching it over his shoulder when I was supposed to be in bed. Nice. So <laughs> I, I really wanted to be. There was a blonde security guard whose name is, I just I can't remember her name right now, but I remember watching her and thinking, I want to be her. Tasha? Yes. Tasha Yar? Yeah. Okay. Turns out she's the first person killed in a Star Trek. Yes, that's right. That was unfortunate. <laughs> she's but like yes. the red shirt of... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, as I got older, um, I obviously was in love with Star Wars and, uh, and I kind of fell out of Star Trek for a while. I know. It's amazing. And someone said, well, Star Trek's obviously better. I'm like, Star Trek's not better than Star Wars. And then I watched an episode. I'm like, actually, Star Wars, Star Trek is way better than Star Wars. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. My goodness. I thought we were going to have a fight. I know. Yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I think I've seen, you know, every iteration with the exception of, I don't think I've seen Enterprise. You didn't miss anything. Okay, that's Trust what me. I'm told. Yeah, like no, <laughs> we, there would if you said, "Oh wow, Enterprise is my favorite," then there would be a there fight. would be another. Yeah, yeah we would have fight, to turn yeah. off the cameras and it throw would get down. nasty. Yeah, I mean, I'd win, but yeah. <laughs> yes, you would. Yes, yes, because I'm just about to be overcome by the heat. But uh, the point is, <laughs> uh, yeah, Enterprise was was uh, was not that great. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what I heard. I've yeah. only heard one person say, "No, it was fine," and I'm like, "You're not really." No, no, definitely not. Um, of the ones you watched, uh, favorite series? Uh, the original series, hands down. The original? Yeah. Over Next Gen? Yes. Over DS9? Yes. Of course, over Voyager. But... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I do like Janeway, but yeah, no. <laughs> I was at the uh, Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, and Brent Spiner was on stage. Oh, that's cool. And he was talking about the different iterations of Star Trek. And he referred to um, Deep Space Nine as Diet Star Trek, Voyager as Star Trek Light, and then Enterprise as Fat Free Star Trek. So he, uh, <laughs> there's Brent Spiner for you. All right. Um, kind of hard to argue with that. Yeah, one. you can't you really. Yeah, it's it's very true. Um, least favorite series of the ones you watched? Um. Actually, probably Voyager. Voyager. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know why the plots were good, but I just couldn't connect with anybody on it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I feel feel like every 
series has something that you're like, I would probably fix that if I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, the, the, to me, the closest one to perfection is obviously the one with Captain Kirk. So Sure, you know, sure. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you have a favorite character across the uh, Star Trek Not universe? Not really. I feel like I probably resemble Dr. McCoy most of all. <laughs> Why? Um, <laughs> Because I some I have this habit of sometimes giving my opinion before I think through the logic of it. Ah. So I'm like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and is Why? There... I don't know. It just is. <laughs> and do you have a Spock in your life to, to counterbalance that? Uh, I think Peggy's my Spock. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. So. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Well, as you know, we have a gimmick on this show that we are contractually obligated to live up to. Okay. So, Killarney Trainer. Tell me about your damn book. Good. <laughs> this is what I came here to do. Yes. This is the whole point of everything. This is what it's all been leading up to. <laughs> all right. So, the book I'm going to talk about is Tale Half Told, which um, is the latest. And it's actually the first in a series, which I think you probably didn't know because we just decided that like a week ago. That's right. We did. Uh, a day ago. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. We decided very recently to yes. talk about this book. Yes. So, um, it's, it's called Tale Half Told, and it's... Uh, it's a Christmas ghost story about four people that are trapped in a haunted house during a snowstorm, so they can't get out. And it's set in 1971, and there was a murder that happened there in 1946, so it's World War II versus Vietnam War, kind of what's going on. And these four people, um, one of them is just returned from the Vietnam War, so he's having flashbacks, PTSD, and all sorts of nasty stuff. And the ghosts in the house are trying to communicate with them and use two of the weaker people to try to tell their version of the story. And obviously there's there's danger. There's um, uh, one of the characters keeps finding himself ready to throw himself off a, off a, a dock. Um, and it's it was my sister's idea because she we were watching this haunted house movie and she came up to me afterwards and said, wouldn't it be awful to be like snowed in a haunted house so you couldn't get out? And I was like, she's dark. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to think about that. I have to go to bed. Like, <laughs> but I couldn't stop thinking about that. So um, and so we were trying to figure out where we wanted to set it. We set it in 1971 because we didn't want to deal with cell phones. <laughs> I was like, well, if they don't have them, we don't have to knock them out. That's so, true. Good point. So no cell phones. Um, and uh, I have never done a horror one before. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of a horror story mixed with a murder mystery because it was that murder but it was so much more fun than really? I thought it was going to be yeah because you know and there were um, I found this really creepy soundtrack to listen to while I was writing and there were days where it was just like okay I can't do this today because <laughs> it's kind of cold and creepy out and I'm alone in the house so I can't write this <laughs> but if you're ever writing a horror movie the, uh, the 1980 movie The Changeling uh -huh. I think I'm saying that right. Has a fantastic soundtrack to write by. Really? Yeah, if you want to scare yourself. Hmm. So I've never heard that before. Yeah, I, and I've never seen the Changeling. So yeah, it's a, check it out. It's a George C. Scott movie. Oh wow! And it's kind of like one of those cult ones that didn't do well when it came out. Now it's got a following, uh -huh. and I'm one of them. So <laughs> <laughs> you're one of the followers. I'm one of the followers. <laughs> okay. It's a fantastic soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, so um, I love the cover of this oh, book. Thank you. The cover yeah. is very cool. Did, did you did you design that? Did you, no, I actually found it was a pre-made one, and oh, that's wow. what tipped me over the edge, saying, "Now I got to write the book because I found the cover." So, <laughs> that's so, happened to me. So yeah, I emailed the guy and I said, "Hold this cover. I don't have a title for it yet." So he held it for a year while I was writing the book and trying to figure out what the title was, and 
Yeah. Wow. So cool. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. And uh, what's next for you? Uh, well, actually, um, we are writing another book in this series because we're kind of creating an anthology series of spooky tales. Um, so the next one is about hikers that run into aliens. Hikers so, that run into aliens. Yeah, on a deserted hilltop. And again, it's the 80s, no cell phones. So <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Because after a while, I run out of ideas and how to knock them out. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. I really should have had the both of you I know. <laughs> together. Now that I'm now that I'm hearing all of this, so. now that I hear how dark and twisted your sister is. And yeah, she's pretty. How dark. she's the ideal woman. And she actually is for the horror really, stuff. Like... You're, you're doing kind of the heavy lifting. So you're the muscle, and she's the brains. Yeah, pretty much. In a way. Yeah. Wow. Again, so. Spock McCoy. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll use this one anyway. Um, <laughs> So we have a segment on the show okay. called Questions from the Great Unwashed. All right. These are social media questions that have been submitted for okay. you. They are a very mixed bag. You never know what you're going to get, so I will present them to you. Okay. You can do whatever you like with them. You can pass. <laughs> you can uh, you can reject outright. Whatever whatever you're most comfortable with. Okay. I will All present right. them to you, and, and we will go from there. Um, so Eileen from New Hampshire says, I met you at Author's Night by the Sea in Portsmouth. Okay. And you were very nice. Aw. I wish you all the best with everything. Okay, okay, so Eileen doesn't understand the concept of questions from the great unwashed. But I that's appreciate very, the sentiment. That's very sweet, but yeah. that's not really... I don't really know how to respond, but no, thanks, Eileen. Uh, that, that's not really a question. No. Okay. All right, good. Joseph from Connecticut uh, says, On your blog, you post inspirational quotes that you call Monday motivation. Mm -hmm. What motivates you? To, what motivates me to write is I usually have a question that I'm trying to answer with the book. Uh -huh. um, and sometimes it's a, it's a very obvious question, like what would you do if there was a treasure in your backyard and you people were digging around trying to find it? Or if you were snowed into a haunted mansion. Right. Like sure. sometimes, and sometimes it's, it's a question of, like for Michael Lawrence, can I do this? Can I write this book? Uh -huh. and, um, and some people would argue whether or not I should have or could have. <laughs> Let them argue. But for me, it's, it's usually a question that I can't let go of. It's a, like a scene or something that I can see, and I, I have to figure out how it fits into the story. So usually it's like there's an unanswered question, and I have to just keep writing it until like I feel satisfied with the answer. Hmm. Okay. So. There you go. Joseph from Connecticut. Good your question. Uh, Janice from Chicago asks, Have you ever created something that, as far as you're concerned, you created first? Um, Janice, what are you trying to? Oh, I think Janice is wondering if you if you've ever created something and then it appeared somewhere else and you felt like you created that first. national treasure. Really? Yes. Okay. What what happened with that? I came up with the concept and I started writing a book about someone who had to steal an artifact in order to save it. And okay. so that when the trailer came out, they actually said that we have to save the. Um, Declaration of Independence in order to save it. And I was like, they got into my computer. Oh my God. Right? I was so mad at Disney. I mean, I realized that there was more to the movie than just that. But right, yeah, right. Disney totally swiped my idea. To be fair, it's a 
it's sort of a general idea. It's it not really is. hugely specific. If you were talking about the it's Magna Carta specifically, right, then that, that would have been be, more but, specific. But the idea, the the heist in order to save it from a greater bad guy, uh-huh. that was my idea. Okay, and it was like, and so. Disney stole and it. And Disney stole it. Okay, but you can't argue with Disney. No, especially <laughs> not now. No, they are much too powerful. But I will concede powerful. it's not, it wasn't sp- particular enough. It wasn't like I wrote Larry Trotter and then Harry <laughs> Potter came out. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Imagine how much money you would have if you I had know. sued. I know. And, and I wonder how, how much, much joy you would have taken out of the world because then Harry Potter yeah, would have I would have just never, been yeah. like a mean little person. Like yeah, now. but a rich yeah. one. Yes. So. I would have had my own castle. Yeah. So, this yeah. goes to show. Okay. All right. These things happen. Uh, uh, I, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Pad Padrig, Pad Padrig. Oh, Padrig. So the uh, Gaelic equivalent of Patrick. Padrig, okay. from Killarney, Ireland. Oh. Asks, have you ever been to Killarney, Ireland? I have. <laughs> really? I have the uh, the sweater and everything with my name on it. No kidding. Yeah. It really. Was a great little town. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I actually went there with my sister Peggy. Uh-huh. Um, you talk about her a lot. We she's really in the should room. have I have her. To be nice. Yeah, <laughs> we should really have her on an episode of we this. I, I'm more and more convinced of this. Yeah. But so yeah, yes. no, we wandered around, wandered everywhere. It was just a nice, nice town, and I was like, I'm proud to be named after you. <laughs> <laughs> and while you were there, what did anyone become aware that you were Killarney? Yeah, they weren't impressed really? at all. Yeah, I think they have way too many Americans going like, I'm, I'm Irish too, and they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, well, but, but you're <laughs> Killarney. Really. I mean, yeah. it's not like nobody. It's cared. not like you're just okay. Yeah, they. Um, one thing I really, I loved Ireland, but uh, one of the things I really loved was when you order tea there. When you order tea here, they give you one little mug, and uh-huh. you know you have to keep asking for refills. When you order tea in Ireland, they give you like a huge pot, but if you order coffee, they give you one little mug. So I'm a tea drinker, so I thought that was like the best, huh. the best. <laughs> it's like I never have to ask for a refill. So uh, my sister who drinks coffee was not that thrilled because uh-huh. she had to keep asking for refills. But sure, yeah, sure. It's like see how I live right. here. <laughs> well, I can I can ask her about that when I when I interview her. Yes. Her perspective on the yeah. whole coffee tea in Ireland yes. thing. Yes. Yeah, she was not quite so joyful. So. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. And, uh, okay, technically this qualifies as a question. Kenneth from New York says, you're lovely. Are you spoken for? (laughs) No, I am not. Okay. All right. See, I would have passed on a question (laughs) like that, but there you go, Kenneth. My mother would have thrown her hat at me and said, you wasted an opportunity. So, <laughs> your your mother, so, even though Kenneth from New York is a total stranger, your mother would. She'd been, be like, he's a, he's a man, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's interested. So, <laughs> what more do you need? Let's go. Let's make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, that's all the time we have I'm for this. I'm sorry, Stephen, but I can't let you leave. Why not? <laughs> Don't you recognize me? Yeah, yeah. Your Clarney trainer. Why? <laughs> no. I'm Clarney Loma. What?